Hi, my name is Logan Mitchell, and today I'm joined by John Sparopoulos and Briley Large to present to you the first episode of the Mavericks Nation podcast presented by Dallas Sports Nation. So just getting right into it, around the NBA, a lot of trades swirling around, you know, and a lot of them are going to hit real close to home as we saw two high-end players leave the Southwest Division today. Uh, in the last couple of days, saw Anthony Davis move to the Lakers. And, of course, today, Mike Conley moved to the Jazz. So what do you guys think? Let's start with the Anthony Davis trade. How is that going to impact the league as a whole? Uh, Lakers are de- certainly almost a destination again. I mean, there's still I think there's still a lot of turmoil in the franchise going on over there. But, I mean, that's a big piece to get. And – for sure. I think a lot of people were skeptical if they're going to be able to pull that deal off. Yeah, there was all that. Um, I didn't really think the Pelicans wanted to do business with them, but right. you know, they, they pulled it off and they got LeBron the star he's been looking for. So it'll be interesting to see what else they can bring in this summer. Yeah, I think I think the Anthony Davis trade has definitely done a good job of leveling the landscape in the West Conference. Um, I think the star power in L.A. is going to be huge, especially with the, the rumors of Kawhi and the Clippers if he chooses to leave Toronto. You know, I think Davis and LeBron in L.A. is going to be good, you know, to combat the Warriors and the dynasty that they've built, you know, especially with KD and Clay missing, you know, either all of next season or the majority. I think the West is the Lakers conference. The, you know, the Lakers conference to lose at this point. I think they're the clear-cut favorites for the finals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard to beat star power like that. And speaking of star power, I'm sure glad to see a transcendent talent like Anthony Davis out of our division, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean, I really like the Pelican Paul in that deal. I mean, they really did bring back a lot of young talent and I mean, a lot of people talking about how, I mean, that already just sets up, sets them up so well with Zion and uh, his future there in New Orleans and keeping him, making him happy and making that team competitive. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, Lonzo Ball, he gets his fair share of hate. And, you know, I think a lot of that comes from his dad being a bit of a a lunatic sometimes, but that kid is actually pretty good. He can play ball, man. He's a good defender. (laughs) Lonzo's a baller. He's a good defender. It's going to... It's going to be tough times for the Mavs, I think, you know, in the upcoming years, especially with the Pelicans, you know. They're about to get Zion. They're going to have Lonzo Ball. You know, they still got Drew Holiday on the roster. They got the four pick, so who are they going to take? They take Jared Culver, you know, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, there's some good options at four, and I think kind of what's going unnoticed out of this trade is that Brandon Ingram still got some star potential in him too, as long as he can, you know, figure out the blood clots, keep that from holding him back. I still think Brandon Ingram could be a hell of a player. Yeah, if he's if he's healthy and he's ready to go, I mean that's patient on points with offense. They're gonna be lengthy, lengthy, you know, long, tall, athletic. They're gonna run the court. You know, long zone Zion. That's gonna be fast break for days. You know, if they take someone like Jarrett Culver, you know, Jarrett Culver can shoot it. You know, they got Brandon Ingram. And, I mean, all the talk about them even making a deal for Bradley Beal, you know, that'll probably include 
you know, Lonzo Ball Drew, or Drew Holiday, one of the others. So if they were to land someone along the lines of Beal, I mean, that just adds to the star power there and the potential to grow. That's a good veteran presence that Lonzo and Zion are going to be able to learn from, even though Zion's an absolute freak of nature. You know, he's going to, you know, he's going to come to his own pretty quick, I feel. But, you know, the Southwest division is going to be tough, you know, mm-hmm. with that young uh, lineup that the Pelicans have built. But, you know, with the lineup that the Mavericks are building with Luka and KP and, you know, if they were to take or trade for someone that's even, you know, in that age range, you know, it's going to be fun to watch these young teams, you know, gel together and build this rivalry and compete. Yeah, I think um, obviously Luca had a fantastic rookie season. And he's, you know, he's built some hype around the Mavericks that we really haven't had since the championship year, I'd say. Is so, this rookie of the year worthy? Absolutely. That's not a question, but that's, that's <laughs> another topic of discussion. Sorry, Trey Young. <laughs> like I said, man, it's just the hype that's around us. And obviously there's a huge hype train following Zion Williamson. Everywhere he goes, he's, there's going to be media all over him, and that doesn't even mention the YouTube phenom. Of course, Utah, YouTube phenom, and of course we got Big Baller Brand himself. I guess rest in peace to Big Baller Brand, but Lonzo Ball himself coming to New Orleans as well. There's definitely going to be some hype around those matchups this year with Zion and Lonzo going head to head with Luca and KP. So it'll be a fun little little matchup to see how these rosters develop for the next ten years. Really, really no, yeah, I think it was really impressive how the deal really bolstered both teams and made the West that much more competitive. Absolutely. Even considering the move between the Grizzlies and the Jazz, you know, with the Grizzlies being in the division and getting those players, I mean, they got some solid role players with Kyle Korver and, and Jay Crowder. But you also and, I mean, got to – They're pretty much a lock to take John Morant too. So, I mean, those are really nice pieces to put around him for his rookie season. Exactly. Yeah, and know. it was big for – I think obviously for the development of any young player. Sometimes it's nice to have a veteran, you know, kind of leading the way. But John Morant is – I mean, I think he's the real deal. I'm, I think fans in Memphis should be excited about him. It's a good thing to let him have the ball in his hands. He's going to get a lot more minutes just by the fact that Mike yeah. Conley's out of town now. So, he should have the keys to that offense. And Kyle Korver is a really good piece for him, someone to get a lot of open looks for because, I mean, the way John Morant's game translates to the NBA is almost perfect with his run in transition and his ability to pass at full speed, you know. Yeah, and even the trades between, you know, the Grizzlies and the Jazz and the Lakers and the Pelicans has given these teams in the division all these future first-round draft picks that, you know, and they can use these picks, you know, to to keep building that young roster because you never know, you know who – if they're going to steal somebody, you know, they might find some success and find themselves in the, the mid to late 20s at some point picking in the first round. But, I mean, getting all these draft picks and, you know, pairing them with people like John Morant and Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the, the entire division is yeah. going to be young and it's going to be competitive within the next five years. Yeah, I will say I think no – I think, you know, let me know what y'all think on this, but I think this does kind of put some pressure on the Mavericks to land somebody this summer because now we got a lot of competition as far as our championship window, even within the division. No doubt, no doubt. Got Um, New Orleans will have, I think, you know, I would say Zion and Lonzo are both potential all-stars, and then you got the number fourth pick is going to be a strong player as well. And then Memphis, 
I'm pretty high on Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he could be a stud. And you add Jaron uh, – I'm sorry, you add John Morant into that equation as well. Like, both of those teams are going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time. So, I'd say, like, it's on it's, – it's Dallas's move now, you know. We got to match yeah. that. And, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's not so much about, you know, landing a certain big name, but just, you know, we got to batten down the hatches and sure up the holes in our team because it's – I mean, it's a prove-it year for us in this, you know, coming regular season. You know, if we're not going to win any more than 34, 35 regular season games again, you know, I mean, that's disappointing. So I think it puts more pressure on Kristaps uh, Porzingis, you know, to perform and to Absolutely. put up the numbers in the beds. Especially, with, especially with the way that uh, – just the way that, like, last season ended, obviously, I – I'm never going to point the finger at, you know, any of the coaching staff or anything. Because we honestly, at the end of last season, after the trades, we really didn't have the talent outside of Luka to right. to be competing. Uh, or, <laughs> you know, against a lot of the teams in the Western Conference, we were not, you know, I think Dwight Powell was our second leading scorer down the stretch of the right. season. And that's no disrespect to Dwight Powell. That's just not going to get it done in the, in, in the gauntlet that the Western Conference is. So, I mean, oh, I think yeah. we'll see Luka take another step. I fully believe that he will be ready to go and he'll ball. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of pressure on Porzingis to come in, show that he's healthy, and be that second man for Luca this year. Yeah, well, I mean, he, yeah. To harp on that, you know, I mean, we're in the age of, you know, we're in the we're in the super team era right now. You know, you're not winning. You know, you're not competing for championships unless you have a super team. And I know, considering the Raptors, you can't really, you know, outside of Kawhi Leonard, call them a super team, but you have to. Be considerate of the fact that the Warriors played the whole series without KD and, you know, I hurt Clay Thompson for game six, you know. So, not that I'm no disrespect to the Raptors, you know, they got a little lucky, you know, with the injuries. And yeah. when you've got a team that's building around these two young uh, potential superstars, you know, with Chris Stavs and Luka, you're on the right track, you know. But there is that one piece that you're probably missing to be able to compete at that elite level, which I don't think, you know, right now the Mavs are young and they're not quite there, but I think you add one more piece to the equation, you know, within the next three to four years, you can see something similar to, you know, the early in this decade, the Thunder, you know, KD, Westbrook, and James Harden were all young, but they were still competing, you know, I mean, uh, lost to the Mavs in the West Finals in 11. They went to the Finals in 12, you know. Yeah. So I think, you know, even though they're young, I think we can still see a really big improvement in not only wins and losses, you know, but just the way that the Mavs gel and build that chemistry, which I think is a huge, you know, thing that needs to happen in the West Conference because the West Conference is so loaded. For sure, and I think, obviously, Luca has—he's got the hype, you know. Like everybody, everybody knows who Luca Doncic is at this point. He's went ahead and made a name for himself worldwide. But I think something that, even with all the attention he's gotten, that's gone underrated is just how good of a passer he really is. I think we are able to surround him with more shooters, which this is something I think Porzingis will benefit a lot. I think that pick and pop game between Luca and KP is going to be crucial. Oh, it's going to be hard to guard. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. And I mean, Luca does it all, man. Yeah, I saw – I mean, I'm sure we can uh, – you can find some highlight videos out there that 
will show this exact pass I'm talking about. But there were some times that Luca would run a pick and roll on one wing and just fire a pass to the opposite corner on the money. And we get some shooters uh-huh. out there along those guys. Oh, we're going to be a tough team to guard. Yeah, you know, and like the pick and pop has always been a staple of Carlisle's offense, you know. And when you with add, Dirk. Yeah, and oh, and another on another note, you know, with the Mavs potentially bringing in Dirk as you know player development coach or you know staying around the franchise, are we going to see some one-legged fadeaways by Kristaps in the near future or what? Yeah, I've actually seen some clips of him uh, working on that with Dirk. They're kind of messing around a little bit, but I think pretty soon it'll be a serious part of his game. Yeah, I mean, when you've got a dude, you got to consider the fact that Kristaps at this age is a better shooter than Dirk was, you know, when Dirk was 23 years old. So, and you got to also think, you know, Chris Stapps is three inches taller. So if you're able to have Dirk work with Chris Stapps and just coach him up a little bit, you know, teach him the ins and outs of, you know, how those shots are made, you know, that form and everything. I mean, how unguardable is it going to be when you add three inches to that uh, frame, you know? For sure. So I think we all agree the Mavericks have a lot to be excited about with Porzingis coming back from the injury. But I think another thing that NBA fans in general have to be excited about is that the draft is approaching. Just tomorrow night we're going to see the draft. And um, there's a lot of intrigue about what what the teams at the top are going to do. Well, actually not necessarily at the top. I think we all have it penciled in in the top three. But we talked about the Pelicans trade. It's going to be a big topic of discussion, and a lot of people would say that's where the draft really starts. So right. where do you guys think they're going to go with number four? Um, you know, I, I, I find it hard to believe they pick somebody with number four, just considering you don't really – I think they'll probably want to stray away from having two guys they take whose contracts will be coming up at the same time. Yeah. So you'd potentially be having to pay max contracts to at the same time. So I've seen a rumor I've seen that I think is kind of going to be interesting is the Hawks have been reportedly interested in trading up to four. And, right. and if that was, to, you know, that would land, I think it's seven and 10 that the Pelicans would get out of that deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's kind of even more scary in my mind if they have three top 10 picks to go with, you know, Lonzo and Ingram coming in. But if they do stay at four, I'd say, I don't know. I mean, I think the only real hole on their roster right now is a true center. But it's just hard to – there's not really one that I would think is worth the number four overall pick. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. What do you think, John? Uh, with the, I mean, you know, if they were to stray away from that pick and get, you know, pick seven and ten, I think the Pelicans could definitely use, you know, maybe some more – I don't know. Like, a true center would definitely help them out. Maybe a power forward. Um, I know they are drafting Zion, but you can always add some some depth to that. Rui Hachimura would be good to pick. You know, Rui Hachimura can shoot it. He can do it all. Really. He can drive. He can defend. Um, even Jackson Hayes. Uh, center good out of protector. Texas. Yeah. Center out of Texas. Great run protector. Good defender. You know, I think that's going to really, you know, round out that uh, lineup that the Pelicans would have, you know, with Lonzo and Zion. Um, assuming they keep Drew Holiday, um, you know, that's that's a sweet lineup that they would have. You know, a lot of youth, a lot of athleticism. 
great defense, you know. Yeah, they'll be really they'll be really tough on the defensive end, especially if they do keep Drew Holiday. So which also I mean there's a couple of real elite perimeter defenders that are gonna be available for, I think. I think Culver is gonna be real great on that end. I think DeAndre Hunter also will be a really good three and D player at the NBA level. So I mean it's gonna be real interesting to see what they do with that pick. Like I said, that's kind of where I, I think, you know, I think we all think it's gonna go Zion, Jaw, yeah, and R is gonna predicate it's gonna predicate a lot about what happens yeah, so, after the draft or after that pick. Yeah, that'll set the tone kind of for especially if like, you know, if something crazy happens like Darius Garland goes four, you might see teams like Phoenix Ooh. and Chicago that need point guards kinda of go yeah. crazy trying to trade up for five. Right. So it'll yeah. Kobe White will still be sitting there. Kobe White'll be there and I mean, after him, there's kind of a bit of a drop-off at the point guard position. So, it'll be interesting to I'm see. Really, I'm intrigued to see where Kevin Porter goes. Kevin Porter Jr. at a USC. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I've He's had a very wide range in the mock drafts right. that I've looked at. You know, some people have him as a lottery pick. I've seen it as high as, like, 11. And right. I've also seen him late 20s. So, I mean, apparently there's some off-court issues. I know he had that suspension at USC for kind of undisclosed reasons, but – It'll be interesting to see where he goes because he's definitely a talent. The athletic tools, yeah, I mean, he's got it. For sure, but, you know, with the Mavericks getting that bad bounce on draft night, we're not going to be picking until number 37 overall. So we're probably not looking at a potential superstar and a second-round pick, but just last year, obviously, we landed Jalen Brunson with the second-round pick, and – he, I mean, he's been good. He looks like a solid rotation piece for years to come, so there's no reason to believe that we couldn't land another one this year. And I think there's a variety of directions we could go. I've seen us mock to draft uh, Carson Edwards, which, you know, where we went to high school, we know that guy a little too well. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we've seen him do some damage before. But um, seen that mock to us. Seen Nas Reed is a guy with a lot of upside that I've seen mock to us, so – where, where I like Nas Reed more than, I mean, certainly more than uh, the guard. Uh, it's just the size he gives us and his handles at his size, you know. I'm, I feel like in today's NBA, you're kind of looking for size that can uh, give more to you on the court than just rebounding and defense in the paint, you know. If you can dribble, pass, and shoot and do all that for your team, you know, you're just that more useful. Yeah, well, let me just ask you guys this as kind of a precursor to this, uh, this talk about our draft selection. Just let's say put yourself in the shoes of the GM for just a second. You're sitting there on the clock, 37th pick. What do you value, I guess, is what I'm asking with that pick? Are you talking about, like, you want a guy with the highest upside? You want a guy who can play right now? Or do you want a guy that, like, fits a position of need, you know? Like, what's the first thing that you're looking for for a prospect at 37? I'm... For me, I'm definitely looking at position of need. And right now, I feel like that's the center position. Um, the guy that sticks out, you know, has been linked to the Mavs in all these mock drafts, Nas Reed. Uh, you know, 6'10", 250 frame. Um, straight out of the LSU, averaged nearly 14 points per game, eight rebounds, you know. Very athletic, can handle the rock. You know, he can pass it a little bit for a big guy. He can finish at the rim, uh, but I'm also loving his age, you know, 19 years old. You know, uh, probably I believe he'll be turning 20 before he would see some NBA time. But, you know, that just adds to the youth, you know, 
you know, obviously you're getting someone young in the draft when you're getting them at 19 or 20, it just makes it a little better, you know, more time for them to develop. And I just think Nas Reed, even like the long term, and even immediately, I believe he can come in and make a slight impact and really help us, you know, round out our lineup and give us some depth of the position that, you know, our starting center for the last couple of years, you know, here and there has been Sala measure. You know, Sala will give you some some quality minutes. You know, I, I know some games against the Thunder in the last couple of years. I don't know what it is about the Thunder, but, you know, he would have his, his nights where he just went off. But it's definitely a position where, you know, we're being linked with Al Horford, you know, those rumors are kind of dying down, but, you know, it is a position of need. So that's definitely where I would look at yeah. if I was the GM. And, of course, before, you know, even last year, before we traded up for Luca, we were linked to Mo Bamba before we uh, – and then, you know, some this year in the regular season, people were throwing around the Nikola Vucevic rumors. So center's been a position of need for a while. The other place that I see us kind of having a hole is just uh, – I don't really think we have any elite perimeter defense right now. We got Dorian Finney-Smith coming back, but he's more of a tweener, you know. He'll play some small ball four for us, I think. And uh, uh-huh. so I could see us going three and D. I'd be real happy if we got a three and D wing or a big man. Would probably be the two places uh, that I'd be looking to target. I think Carson Edwards is going to be a great NBA player. I just don't really see if he happens to be the player we select. I don't really see where the minutes are going to go for him with Jalen Brunson on the roster. And yeah, it's a little redundant. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a good player, like I said. And I think whoever gets him, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a Lou Williams-type microwave off the bench at some point in his career. But he just – I don't really see where it is in Dallas if he's the fit there. Yeah, I kind of see Carson Edwards and Jalen Bunsen, you know, uh, go a little hand-in-hand. I feel like they're kind of the same player. Carson Edwards, uh, I feel he's a little better on the offensive end. But – when you look at the like the big scheme of things, I just see them as the same player uh, all around. So, you know, as Bradley said, it'd be a little redundant to take him, you know, especially if someone like Nas Reed is on the board. Um, definitely go to the position of need. You know, you took a, a guard in last year's draft. You've got Luka running the point for the majority of the time. you got JJ coming back. So, I, Personally, I'm not I'd be surprised if Nas Reed was still on the board at 37. So, yeah, he's a guy, like, the upside is very clear. I mean, he's got a a very um, versatile skill set is what I'm trying to say. He's yeah. a skill set that you don't really see with a lot of guys at his size. So, I would be pretty – I wouldn't be shocked to see someone take a shot on that guy a little earlier than we expect. The only question mark with him is, you know, obviously I'm, a, I'm an Arkansas Razorback fan, so I, I got to watch a lot of LSU play being in, in SEC country. And he did have some struggles with, um, with inconsistency this year. So, I mean, that's the only thing that I think might push him down. We'll see what happens there. But I think the upside is obvious. He can shoot the ball. He can handle it well for a big man. And obviously, he's a big body. So, he'll rebound and get in there and be a bruiser for us. But we'll see where he goes. That'll be interesting. And I know I will say it's a little bit of wishful thinking. And if you read my last article, I admitted that I don't believe he'll be there. But yeah. there's been reports recently that Bull Bull lost 20 pounds while he was sitting out. He was right. already a skinny dude, so there's going to be some red flags there for a lot of teams. And if he's there at 37, normally I agree with you that we should go with, you know, a guy that fits the most and will be able to play immediately. But the upside there is just so high. If he's there at 37, I'm pulling the trigger and not thinking twice. 
I don't know. Bobo scares me. Man, if I'll tell you, if Bobo is there at 37, you sub, you you take him right then and there. The upside, he might have one of the highest upsides in the whole draft. I think just what everybody's skeptical about is, you know, that frame, you know, he's tall. You know, dudes that are that tall, they don't last very long. Their bodies tend to, you know, be more prone to injury. Well, and he's already had one, so that's, well, that's kind of tough. Foot injury. He's got a scary foot injury for a guy his size, you know. And now yeah. he's – I think maybe what scares me with the weight fluctuation is he's going to have to put that back on. And is the body going to be ready when he puts that body – when he puts that weight on? And – I don't know. Bobo scares me. I don't think he'll even make it to 37 anyways. So yeah, I don't think he'll be there. I think he's, you know, maybe late lottery to end of the first round. I mean, he's a guy that, like, I look at the championship contenders at the league right now. You know, I look at Milwaukee at 30. I look at Golden State. They don't really have very many holes on their team right now. So why not gamble on <laughs> on Bobo, right. you know? So right. I, I would be shocked. I almost as well is when that late first round range is when he'll get picked up because of that you know why not yeah I could I wouldn't mind either one of those guys it'll just be interesting to see if they're still on the board one guy I think who will be on the board um, is Daniel Gafford from Arkansas I don't know um, Uh how much you guys know about him he was projected to go pretty high actually if he would have left last year after his freshman year he would have been Probably a late lottery pick, or at least mid-first round is about where he was projected last year. And his draft right. stock kind of took a dip. He didn't really have the big jump that people would have expected from him coming back as a sophomore. But he's kind of a – I'd say he kind of fits like the Andre Drummond mold. He's an athlete. He can jump. He runs the floor and he rebounds. And I think um, mm-hmm. having a guy that will defend the rim, catch lobs and pick and roll might be a, right. might be a good fit. I mean, and I think, he'll, I think he'll almost surely be there at 37 if we're looking to target a center. I mean, if you if you can rebound and you can uh, rim run, you know, I think that you find yourself being the perfect running mate for Chris Tepps Porzingis in that front court. Yeah. So yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, at thirty seven. Who I'd really like to see there is Matthias Thibel. Yes, I I'm very high on Thibel. I just he's another guy. I kind of. I feel like that one's kind of wishful thinking, too. He's a guy that I think fits so well with maybe a team like the Sixers or the Thunder that's looking for that 3-and-D wing to play next to their stars. Yeah. So he's a guy I'd have a hard time. I don't know. I'd be very surprised if he were still on the board, but that's another guy as far as fit would fit extremely well next to Luka. He can run in transition. He can shoot the ball all right. And he's going to be a great defender, which is something we're kind of lacking right now. Right. Right. No, yeah, I would – I feel like he's got a toolbox that we could really dive into and turn a player out of him. And as much as we talk about upside, you know, we drafted Jalen Brunson, who, you know, played his four years of college, was a national player of the year. So there's a lot to be said for getting a guy that does play those four years of college and can come in immediately and play ball for us. Man, I love the offseason, dude. It's just been nuts. Since Monday, it's, it's every summer. Flying around it's every summer in the NBA. It's NBA free agency. It's NBA offseason every year. For sure. And the, the rumors are never going to stop circling. And I think especially with the fact that, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson being hurt. That kind of opens the door for a lot of teams that may have not yeah, I thought think, 
I mean, just the opportunity that all the organizations in the league right now are seeing. I think it's just opens Pandora's box. So there's just, you know, it's pump fake season with these reports. You know, you never know what they're trying to do when these teams are leaking reports to these reporters. And it's crazy, man. It's just a tornado of things flying around. I think the impact that the injuries upon Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant has caused is, you know, maybe the trade between the Jazz and the Grizzlies doesn't happen necessarily if that injury or if those injuries don't happen. And I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think right. that the landscape has shaped or has changed so much because of those injuries to where the Jazz think, you know, you know, if we make this splash, you know, Conley's got two years left on his deal. And, you know, he is a little overpaid for, you know, the skill set he provides. But can he push us to that next level, you know, with the Warriors essentially irrelevant, you know, for the majority of next season, with Steph only being, you know, the superstar contributor to that team, you know, the Jazz can make a run, the Nuggets can make a run. The Lakers are obviously the clear-cut favorite, but, you know, the Jazz would beat the Lakers right now. They've only got five people on the roster. Oh, yeah. I'd say – I'd no. say the Jazz should uh, – there's no reason the Jazz shouldn't feel like they have a chance. We haven't seen LeBron and AD play together. And the Jazz, I mean, in the last couple of years, they've they played pretty well against Houston, who I think had a little more talent and a little more experience than them. But say what you want about Mike Conley's contract. He's a damn good player. He's been a borderline all-star in the West for, what would you say, six or seven seasons. And he's – I mean, he's a good player. and Underappreciated. Underappreciated for a long time. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, the Jazz were a 51 team last year, so you're adding a dude. You're losing some role players with Kyle Korver and Jay Crowder, but I think Mike Conley's impact is going to be greater than Korver and um, Jay Crowder's impact, you know. So I think, you know, the Jazz might be pushing 56, 57 wins by making this trade, you know, barring any uh, catastrophic injury on the roster, you know. Um, so I think that those injuries that the Warriors have suffered has made all these teams are like, you know, we were close, you know, if the Warriors went the Warriors, we might've been contending, you know, for a Western conference title. So there's like this one year window where teams like the jazz are going to make these deals and get people like Mike Conley, you know, with a short contract, even though he's getting paid a little too much, they're making that deal because like, this might be our window, you know? We might be sacrificing our future for a little bit for one ring, but I mean, for a lot of organizations, it can be worth it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're talking about how teams and organizations are choosing to be aggressive, choosing to make moves to try to win now. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that with the players, kind of it's funneling over to the players as well. We saw Harrison Barnes opt out of his $25 million right. contract. You know, you don't L-O-L. think. Yeah, we'd be, I think, very surprised if he got anything close to that on the open market, but. You know. And on the player side, I think a lot of it, yeah. I mean, on the player side, you see teams like Brooklyn and uh, the Knicks opening up just gobs of cap space. And now yeah. Clay Thompson and KD are off the table, so it shortens the free agent list, and there's still a lot of money to be had. Yeah, but even like, obviously, we saw Al Horford, you know, opt out of his contract. And the initial reports were that he was doing that to help the Celtics cap space, help them try to add some more talent in the event that they lose Kyrie Irving, which is kind of expected at this point, I'd say. Right. And uh, 
you know, so it just seemed like a lot of players were kind of buying into like, this is our chance. You know, we saw mm-hmm. who, you know, you could debate is the best player on earth right now. Kevin Durant is out for all the next season. And I mean, that, that opens up a lot of opportunities for players to step up and for teams to, to fill that void. So, I mean, I think like, depending on what Harrison Barnes do, the Kings are not as far off as people may think, you know, if they could add one of those star players, we're seeing a lot of 39 win team last season. Yeah, so we're seeing like a lot of teams be aggressive. We're seeing players look to help their teams, players looking to better themselves and join a team that took advantage. And, you know, I'm loving seeing these guys link to the Mavericks, but I will say I'm kind of trying to proceed with caution on this one because for years it seems like, you know, we were linked to – obviously some right. of these we dodged a bullet, but, you know, we were linked to Darren Williams in his prime. We were linked to Carmelo Anthony. We were linked to LaMarcus Aldridge. And, you know, we've seen these guys kind of – kind of pass and push us over for other teams but i will say it's a- I, think, I think realistically what makes the most sense for us between like all the big names the only one i could realistically see us getting is kimba yeah and the only the question with kimba is we've heard him come out publicly and say he would consider taking less than the max right but but if I mean, charlotte max, interview, he sounds, the I mean, super there's like max. a long there's a long silence exactly. between him saying i would consider and then him, you know, and he also says that he wants, you know, Charlotte is going to present to him like how they're going to build around him, like that pay cut. He's not going to take that pay cut if there's no plan in place to put the, you know, requisite amount of talent around him. So, see, the thing he's going to look at that situation, and I think it's, you know, I think Dallas is the most intriguing team to him. To me, you know, to, to start off, you know, with him publicly coming out and saying that he's willing to take less. When I see a situation like that, I feel like, you know, the odds are always in the current team's favor. I feel like when a player comes out and says, I'm willing to, to do this and this to stay, I always feel like it works out for that player's current team. I kind of feel as if it's more probable that he's going to stay in Charlotte. My The only problem I have with that is, you know, if Kemba's wanting to win, you know, the Hornets have players that are locked up for a while and they're not going to have much cap flexibility for the next couple of years, you know, like, you know, two, three years. So even if Kemba was to take less, I don't really see it immediately helping him win in Charlotte. So when you have a team like the Mavericks that can come in and offer him, you know, if he does take less than the Supermax in Charlotte, you know, the Mavs can offer a near or the same amount that Charlotte can. And I think if you're adding Kemba to a mix with Luka and KP, I think you're pushing 50 wins next season. I think that offense would be borderline unstoppable. You have a playmaker, uh, you know, especially a clutch playmaker in Kemba. Uh, same thing with Luka, who's only 20 years old. Um, should be unanimous rookie of the year. You've got a borderline superstar in KP, you know, who can shoot like a, you know, he can shoot like a guard. He's a rim protector at 7-3. I just think with Carlisle running that offense, you know, there's going to be wins there. And Kemba needs to consider that. But I just feel as if he's looking more at staying in Charlotte and having them build around him, which I don't see immediate with- results in that. It's just from his quotes, what I took from what he said was Charlotte needs to show him that they can land another star, a superstar, a big, 
you know, someone that's getting paid the max, close to the max, then that's that's when he'll think about taking less money. But I think if they can't pull that off, I think he's gone. My problem with that, you know, is like, you know, he says if Charlotte can show that they can get another star and help him win, why not choose Dallas when you already have two stars? Like, the Mavs have obviously shown interest in you. They're obviously, you know, I'm assuming well, I that Cuban and Nelson you know, are... He would rather not leave Charlotte, I guess. Yeah, I think he wants to be in Charlotte, but at the same time, it's... For a guy, I don't I don't have it in front of me right now, but I, he's probably, what, 28, 29 years old? Yeah. He's, you know, well into his NBA career, should be. This is the biggest contract he's going to sign. This is probably... I mean, there's a good chance this is his last... Max five year, four or five year maximum contract, and then yeah, and it will. I mean, <laughs> this is a kind of a crossroads at him for him in his career. You know, he could be a Hornets lifer, and he'll have a good legacy yeah. there. But you know, it kind of boils down to what's important to him: is it money? Is it being loyal to Charlotte, or is it winning, trying to win a championship? Because there's other teams. You know, I'm sure the Lakers will be calling him on July first. And I'm sure the Mavericks will be calling him on July 1st. And, you know, so he's going to have options out there. It'll just boil down to what he's interested in. I just right. think, you know, the Lakers, you know, because AD didn't waive his uh, his option to, to waive off that $4 million when he switched over or got traded to L.A., you know, they can't offer Kemba the match. So that's why they're shopping Mo Wagner and uh, these players trying to build this cap space, you know. I think if they are able to do that and the Lakers can build that cap space to offer the max, I think he goes to the Lakers. I don't think he turns down an opportunity to link up with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who are still both in their primes. You know, I think if you add Kemba to the, to the Lakers, I would go ahead and say book their trip to the finals. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I saw a, a graphic yesterday where it showed that uh, Kemba and LeBron James are the exact same age. No, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the exact same ages that Kobe and Dwight Howard were when the Lakers acquired Dwight Howard. We all saw how that ended up. So, you know, if the chemistry is not there, then the results aren't going to be there. So, does he stay in Charlotte? Does he go to the Lakers? Does he, you know, defy all of free agency history in the last 10 years and choose the Mavericks by some act of God himself? Um, you know, no one knows, but I've got a feeling he stays in Charlotte. He's going to stay loyal, and Mavs fans are going to be disappointed one again, once again, missing out on the big fish. Yeah, but the thing is, the, this is a... I think a deeper free agent class than, you know, people are realizing. Obviously, Very there's, true. Some, there's some huge names at the top. I, I mean, I think there's a chance that Kevin Dur- – I mean, I think there's a good chance Kevin Durant opts out. And I think a team like the Knicks might still offer him a max, even with the Achilles injury. So he's still going to be somewhat on the market. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is on the market. Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Kemba. I mean, Kemba's really probably that <laughs> – probably that fifth guy and you could maybe even jimmy butler might get a little more attention than kemba so there's i mean right. this is a, houston wants jimmy yeah this class is pretty heavy up top but there's also guys that i think are getting a little you know a little 
swept under the rug a little bit. You know, Chris Middleton is a good player. Tobias Harris is a good player. I love Chris Middleton. Somebody's going to take a risk on DeMarcus Cousins. I, you know, I think somebody's going to pay him a little more than he made this year. You got Vucevic was an all-star this year. It's, I mean, it's a deep Man. class. And then you got great yeah. role players that coming in, too. There's Malcolm Brogdon's hitting the market this summer. J.J. Redick is going to be on the market. I mean, it's a deeper class. I think Mavs fans Malcolm need to. Brogdon would be my preferred plan B if we don't land Kimba. I love Malcolm Brogdon. I think he'd be a great fit. I mean, he's a 50-40-90 guy. Oh, no. I mean, if we're his. talking plan Bs and, you know, if we're striking out on Kimba, I want Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly is going to come in and give you that grit, that dog mentality, you know. I think that'd be nice for Luka and KP to see, you know, his mentality, the way he plays, and that veteran leadership, and help them grow. You know, you know how how can that help them in five, six, seven years? You know, when you're in Game Seven of the West Finals, you know, let's say, and you're you're going up against, I don't know, let's say the Lakers. You know, the Lakers still got LeBron and AD. You know, seems like a David versus Goliath type of situation. Well, when you've got a guy like Pat Bev on your team, you know, giving you that confidence where anything's possible, you just got to play hard and with grit. You know, I think we can see a long-term effect from the way he plays and leads teams as opposed to just the immediate uh, impact he can have on the court. Yeah, for sure. I think Patrick Beverly would be great. He provides a lot of stuff that's even like that you might not see in the stat sheet. He provides a lot of toughness and a lot uh, a different mentality that a lot of those young guys could learn from. But that just kind of adds to my point of I think Mavericks fans right now have this perception that if we strike out on Kimbo or we strike out on Chris Middleton or you know one of these guys that they see as a big fish this summer that we end up that we lose you know and I just want kind of to change that narrative just in the sense yeah. that there's there's a good group of role players mm-hmm. and I think with what we have Don't sleep on Derek Favors. I mean Derek Favors is pretty good man. <laughs> but it's just I guess what I'm saying is I think we have the talent at the top internally that if Luka mm-hmm. Doncic develops into what we all think he will be. I mean he looked like a future Hall of Famer in his rookie year. Well, <laughs> well ahead of schedule. Well ahead of schedule. Exactly. He's much and I don't want Mavericks fans to forget that this was supposed to be a down year for the Mavericks. We were not supposed to be very exciting this year. And that mm-hmm. Luca and obviously the Porzingis trade kind of single-handedly turned that around. And I think we're uh-huh. putting a lot of pressure on us to win immediately. And uh-huh. while everybody wants to win, I'll be happy if we win now. But I don't think it's such as simple as we get a big fish or we don't. Like, I think there's ways that we can win this offseason without adding a max contract guy. No doubt. Like I said, I mean, earlier in the uh, podcast, like, you know, we just got to fill the holes that our team needs. I mean, yeah, you can take a blueprint. You know, I know the league is way different. You can take a blue t- uh, blueprint from the championship team, you know. We had the best bench in the league. I mean, we we went through the whole playoffs missing our third leading scorer in Karam Butler, you know. And then the entire bench was what? J.J. Barea, Peja, um uh, Deshaun Stevenson, yeah. like all these role players that came in, you know, all these role players that came in and they played hard, you know, they were motivated, they wanted to win. So, you know, if you've got two guys like Luca and KP who can give you 25, 30 points a game 
and you just add a very deep team, who knows how far they can take you, especially with somebody like Pat Bev, you know, as your sixth man. You know, we would still have Dwight Powell and J.J. Barea. Um, maybe we re-sign Devin Harris. Um, you know, we draft someone like Nas Reed. Who knows what he can do his rookie season. You know, no one's expecting, you know, 15, 10, and 8 from him. But, like, even if he comes in and gives you 8, 9, 10 points a game, same thing with Jalen Brunson. I mean, you know, I think the Mavs are a lot closer to – you know, being that playoff team and that 50-win team that we are expecting them to be in a couple years. And, you know, like Logan said, if we're missing out on the big fish, there are plenty other free agents, you know, and the smaller market players that can come in and give us that impact. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I, I just think there's a very deep, deep class of free agents, many of which could you know, make a big impact on the Mavericks franchise. And that's something that, I mean, I don't think we really have time in this, in this episode, you know, after covering the draft and stuff, but we'll dive into all those free agents. We'll dive into, you know, every rumor that the Mavericks have been linked to and how that would impact the franchise going forward. And, you know, which ones we like, which ones we don't like in the next episode. But I just, the moral of this and what I really want to get across is that we don't have to be all in on a max contract guy. So that's where we're going to close out this first episode of the Mavericks Nation podcast. Speaking for Briley, John, and of course myself, we'd like to thank you for listening today and hope you can join us for our second episode where we're going to dive much deeper into the free agency class this summer and how the Mavericks are going to be a part of that. So I hope you guys can join us as our second episode will be airing sometime next week. And I want to thank you once again for listening to the Mavericks Nation podcast presented by Dallas Sports Nation.